Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. It is the BC Show. Today, I'm here with Brian Manning. Jay's off doing family things, so it's just the two of us today discussing this. And Brian, after last weekend's disappointment, I'm looking at BC, and I'm looking at BC Interruption and our friends over there, which I guess maybe you're going to do an exchange with them or something. They invited it over the Twitter messaging or something. So you might want to get with them, but they're not too thrilled either, are they? No. First of all, welcome to the podcast. And yeah, I expected more from Boston College in the opening week with returning a lot of their offense, including their quarterback and Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill. I expected more from them, but they lost to Rutgers. And I think Rutgers was down the quarterback and a couple other skill guys. So Rutgers isn't exactly known as a powerhouse. So that kind of gives me hope where I was thinking Friday night that I, I didn't have a lot of hope. And I think there were a lot of people going, Oh, we're going to go three and nine. We're going to go two and 10. And, you know, let's, let's take it week by week right now, but I don't feel as badly about this game as I once did. No, I, I don't either. Now that's not that it's going to be a pushover because they're going to be in exactly the same position that we are. They're going to be scrambling around, trying to fix problems, trying to address things. One of the things that I noticed in general about their game last week was they had no rushing attack at all. It was all Djokovic to Zay Flowers and George Takex is their second. Zay Flowers was 117 yards, 84, and then 34 and 26. And Jaden Williams was the last receiver. Jalen Gill was their other with 34. So he, he didn't spread it around a whole lot. And Zay Flowers was his primary target at 117 yards. But guys, they had 25 yards rushing. Their leading rusher was Pat Garrow, the third, at 25 yards. And Zay Flowers was number two at 16, probably ran a jet sweep or something. Now, Jerkovic, of course, was sacked four times. So his rushing yards looks like he escaped for 13 but his net ended up a negative 10. So obviously at some point, somebody was getting to Djokovic. So I don't know. When I saw those numbers, I started, and I think about our defense and how our defense was playing, there might be some hope there. Now, okay, they, they don't get those receiver heads turned around. That one-dimensional offense might kill us, but we'll see. BC wants to run the football. They've always been known more of a 
as a rushing football team, but their strength of their team is the quarterback and the top two wide receivers, which are Flowers and Gill. But um, 29 rushing yards on 28 attempts. I mean, even if you factor in the 10 for minus 10 by Jerkovic, that's that's a bad day running the football. And, and you look at what the Hokies did in week one against pretty good running back and Blake Watson. And I know, I know he had a, that, the thing that stands out about that game was that fourth and one play where Watson somehow got loose. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the Hokies really shut down their, their running game. And I, I think you see what BC did last week and you see how the Hokies played last week. I'm encouraged that we can shut down the running game and focus our attention on Jerkovic and Flowers because we're going to need to spend plenty of time focusing on Zay Flowers, which I'm, I'm worried about our secondary with Zay Flowers. But let's just see what happens. I mean, well, it's going to be uh, interesting. Ollie Jennings is a terrific receiver for o- ODU, but I don't really care what anybody says. He's not better than Zay Flowers. So, Zay Flowers is, is a terrific player, future NFL guy, and and we're going to have our hands full this weekend. But I see a lot of double team. You're going to have a lot of one-on-one with the lower receivers, and you're going to have a lot of double teams on Flowers, you know, with a safety over or maybe even add a safety, go to that light nickel or dime, the dime configuration. The only thing that I can think of, though, is, is that the full 4-3 is going to be occupied with not just stopping the run again, but they're going to be occupied with trying to rattle Djokovic, keep him from connecting well with Flowers, keep him, because he is a pocket passer. So if they can keep that pocket collapsing like they did Friday, and if they can keep that pocket collapsing on him, now he's a better quarterback than ODU's quarterback was, but there's still the possibility of keeping him off balance a little bit. He threw two picks on Friday. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting, their offense against our defense. If we really think hard about it, where, we, where we're probably going to need to come up really well is we're going to need to balance some of, the, some of the rushing. We didn't get a whole lot of tackle pressure on the quarterback last weekend. Like I said, we were really good at collapsing the holes and shutting down everything and keeping the runs contained. But we didn't get a lot of natural pressure without blitzing on the quarterback. And any real pressure came from like Dax popping in or Nasir popping in somewhere, knifing in off of a safety blitz on that one. I think we're going to run into the fact that they're going to have to do something interesting because I really don't think we're going to be, well, we'll see how their offensive line sets up yesterday. If they couldn't produce more than 24, 25, 26 yards on the ground, their offensive line is struggling. One thing Boston College is known for is offensive line play. So if something happened, they had a rough, we can't discount the fact that they struggled in week one because I'm I'm sure you asked the, the BC guys, they weren't happy with the line play in week one, but Overall, you can't discount the fact that they struggled coming into this game because it's a good line, and and we have yet to see our edge defenders actually get pressure. We need our guys to get pressure on the edge versus having to blitz all day because eventually that's going to backfire on you. So we got to start winning one-on-one on on the outside for sure because I I think BC will be ready to play. I am encouraged that we can stop the the running game, but Jerkovic's going to be a challenge. Got to get pressure. Rutgers yeah. did get pressure, and they won the game. So, Yeah, Rutgers dropped him for four, and like I said, forced two interceptions, which, hey, if we do that, we've got a good shot. 
Now, I agree with you. To a certain extent, our ends definitely need to get collapsing pressure on him. But what we've got to do is we've got to get the tackles pushing in in his lap on the A-gap and making sure that he doesn't have clear lanes to throw. You know, we actually got a bat down from a tackle in the last game. So if we can at least get some stand-up pressure on him inside and collapse down on him, make him uncomfortable and make him have to scramble around, we're going to be doing ourselves a lot better off. And yeah, the defensive ends have got to come up and we're going to talk about their defense and our offense and uh, when we come back from the commercial break. And part of that's going to be They've got some interesting mixes of linebackers and defensive ends that actually did pretty well in Saturday's game. So we'll be right back after these messages. Hopefully, we'll get some bills paid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey podcast, where before the break, we were discussing Boston College's week one loss to Rutgers, focusing more on their offense and how it performed. Well, now we're going to shift gears and look at how Virginia Tech's offense will fare against Boston College's defense. John, by looking at last week and what we knew about BC coming in to the season, what do you feel about this matchup? I think this is going to be... What are the two things we came out of the last game with on the good, the bad, and the ugly? What do we got to clean up? Picks? And penalties. Penalties. P&P. If we fix the picks and fix the penalties, they're toast. If we don't, we're going to struggle, period. End of story. There's just no two ways about it. Our offense is better than theirs all the way around except for one factor. Wells is not Jakovic. Wells hopefully at some point produces something good. And we've got our fingers crossed and hopefully they get him fixed and Coach Glenn can get in there and get his head screwed back on the right way and get him fixed and get him targeting right again. So that's not an equal thing. But we have much better running backs. Our offensive line was pretty stout. I was very happily impressed with our offensive line on Friday. It was so neat to see things that we haven't seen and. 10 years. I thought pass protection was really good in, in week one. And for the most part, it seemed to, the run blocking seemed to start off slow, but it, it picked up throughout the game. And a lot of those big runs by, by Keyshawn King was him making plays. So I'm encouraged where the offensive line is. And we got a good coach there. So I feel pretty yeah. good about that unit. That's not a one I'm going to worry about. The only thing I'm going to worry about there is injuries. We're pretty much one snap away at left tackle and I think left guard from a true freshman being in. And while those true freshmen are super talented, you don't want them playing the first month of their college career starting because it's a lot of pressure. But we saw Cade Moore last year do it, and his younger brother Braylon is going to play this year. So Xavier Chaplin, the big left tackle out of South Carolina, I'm excited about that kid's future. And Rudolph, I was so happy that we held on to him because I know some SEC schools were sniffing around him late last year, and, and Rudolph held tight on him and kept him, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to him. But let's bring those kids along slowly. Let's get through the year with this line, let these young guys play a little bit here and there and have a year of the strength and conditioning program and win with what we have. Yeah, it would be nice. Now, the one thing I would like to say from our offense, and I think that it should be developed, is we need to get this quarterback back up underneath center again. We need to balance the load back and forth. 
We need to be unpredictable. We need to pass from the old T formation, you know, the power I formation. We need to be able to run from, you know, either formation. We need to be able to stir it back up again. I think one of the biggest mistakes of college football has been the abandonment of putting the quarterback up underneath the center. Now, of course, a lot of people say, well, that's because the pass has become predominant. Well, that's fine and dandy, except when you're on the five-yard line or the one-yard line and you need a power run and you've got a full-back lead and it develops so slowly, the defensive line has a great chance of getting a linebacker to roll up and stuff the play before you can run the ball over the end. When I watched that ODU game, I don't know how many times that I complained, not complaining as in I wasn't mad about they did it, but about ODU having a, a short yardage situation and they had a quarterback and shotgun, receiver split wide. They know you're going to run the ball here and line up under center and beat your man. And then that fourth and one we I referenced earlier where Watson got the first down, they were lined up in shotgun and he was dead in the backfield, five yards. We just missed the tackles. It kills me not seeing a quarterback. I, I get the shotgun. I like the shotgun. I like the pistol. But you need to have the quarterback to be able to get under center when you need a half a yard. Yeah, it's a missing piece. And you need to be able to do it when you're, that's not predicted. So, yeah, you don't want to say, I got the quarterback runs up. You, your quarterback needs to be able to sprint back three or sprint back five and turn and throw the ball because you want to be able to vary that you know, because predictability is death in football. But at this point, in, in the way we have our offense working, that one magic piece, along with fixing our two major problems, this offense could actually go somewhere and complete drives, which is something we weren't doing and we haven't been doing for a good five years now, six years. Yeah, we had a high percentage, but the low part of that percentage was where? It was when you absolutely needed that two yards to get into the end zone, or you absolutely needed that one yard to get the first down. So we've been sucking on that one, and we need to get that fixed. So here's the thing. What are we faced with their defense? We know what our offense is. It's still new. It's still, Tyler Bowen's still feeling around. Their defense was pretty good. Their defense, even, even though they lost, their defense was not chump. Their defensive ends and their linebackers were the leading tacklers. Their head coach is a defensive guy, too, so he's got that attitude like Pry wants to establish with the Hokies. So their defense is definitely a good unit. Their defense is going to be a, a much bigger test than, than Old Dominion. That's what's making me nervous. As unnervous as I am in, in the direction of our defense against their offense, I'm balanced nervous in the other direction in relationship to our offense and their defense because their defensive line is much better than ODU's. And so that's why our offensive line is going to have to really pick it up. And we're going to see. This is going to be an acid test. We've got the segments winding down here, and we're going to get into the last segment and our final wrap-up and predictions. And I think just to kind of a segue into it, before we get out, what do you think is going to be the out of the balance that we've just talked about? What do you think is going to be the lopsided one? What What are you going to be worried about? I'm worried about their offense somewhat. You know, Patrick Garwo only had 25 yards last week, but he was a second team all ACC back. You look at that and you're excited because we shut down their rushing attack, ODU's rushing attack, and BC struggled to run the football. So you feel optimistic, but then you also think, well, we don't want to be the team that they go off for 150 yards against, but I'm more concerned about their defense and our quarterback turning the football over. 
I want to see a big week from Grant Wells, and that's my biggest concern is the turnovers. I, th- I think the penalties will be cleaned up a little bit. I mean, surely you can't go out and commit 15 penalties again. I mean, that that's just logic. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest concern. Yeah, you can't lose an entire football field in yardage and survive. And that's what we did. We ran us ourselves into the end zone. So, you know, 105, 102, actually it ended up being like 106 yards because of the oddity of half the distance and things, like 106 yards. Sorry, that, that's just one of those things that we've got to clean up. If we don't, it won't be a score fest, but it's going to be weird. We're going to be right back with our predictions, where how we think is going to be wrapping up and our predictions here. So we're going to take this commercial break and be back. Hey, welcome back from commercial. We left you with the kind of hanging. We talked about offense versus defense on both sides and sort of what we thought was going to be the thing that was going to kill us or not kill us. Of course, we knew what that was being the P&P, the penalties and the picks for us on the offense. And we are faced with a defense that could very well make our day very, very sour especially by putting some pressure on the quarterback. They didn't put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. They only got like one sack, but they just bottled everything up and made it really tough for Rutgers. Of course, Rutgers still won. So it's not that it's not saying much. It's just that it says something that we're going to lead into, Brian, and that's how I think the tone and tempo of this game is going to be. How do you think it's going to be at this point? I believe it's going to be a old-fashioned defensive game, I believe. There will be points, I think, as the game progresses, there'll be some more offense. But I think the first half, it's going to be an ugly, lots of punts, hopefully not turnovers on our end, but lots of lots of punts as teams are these two teams are filling each other out. And I think things will pick up in the second half. I just hope it picks up for us. We're on the good side of that picking up. Let's say with the word pick. But, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And like I said, I do the over and under – and the, uh, you know, kind of the alternate prediction for this one, what, what I think is going to be the spread. But in this case, I think our biggest challenges are going to be getting over the fact that this game is going to be, again, and I mean, this is, I mean by we, we the fans, we the people out there in the stands are going to have to put up with the fact that this one is, I think, is going to be just what you said. It's going to be slow developing. It's going to be a slugfest. There's going to be a lot of feeling each other out. You might see a lot of misfires, maybe a couple of tanks into the line as our offensive line tries to figure out their defensive line and vice versa. I just don't see this as a very high-scoring football game. And now we could be total. both of us could be totally wrong. You have a very explosive quarterback on their side. And if Caleb Smith is healthy and, and running well, and we end up having a shot at getting downfield and, and letting Grant Wells air it out a little bit with a, with a receiver who can get under the ball, we could be explosive too. So I wouldn't prejudice it that too much, but at this particular point in time, I'm kind of going to let you finish your wrap up with, you tell me what you would like, what you like to see us do, and then I'll do it, and then I'll let you lead the charge on the predictions. I would like to see us have a good passing game because I, I thought it showed a lot of potential last week. Wells did some really good things. He's got a big-time arm. He made throws that we haven't seen a quarterback make in years, but there's risk with that. But you can't play a guy who you're scared to put out there, so I want him to keep trusting him. Let him play his way out of a job or into the job. That, that's what I want to see. 
I believe he's capable of it. This is a big test for him. We'll know a lot about Grant Wells this week. After this week, we'll know a lot more about him. But I want to see us be able to throw the football. I'm not saying go out and throw 20 bombs. I'm saying let's work the short to intermediate stuff with the tight ends. Take the occasional shot. Don't quit the passing game because you're afraid of throwing interceptions. If, if that's how you feel, then you need to play another quarterback. So let's just keep trying to develop that passing game. And and I, I really like Keyshawn King involved in the passing game. What a threat he's turning out to be. We, we knew he had potential all along. What a great performance by him last week. Let's keep seeing him more involved running the ball and catching the ball. So And the Gallo and Delius, let's involve the tight ends. It's so nice to see us using the tight ends. That was a real treat. Intermediate passing game. I, I'm stunned. <laughs> but to, besides drive blocking and guards pulling and tackles pulling and counter trays, which I think they ran like three or four, and King made really good yards off of all of them, I'm like, I cannot believe this. We actually have a, an intermediate passing game. We're actually throwing the ball effectively at the tight ends. I'm shocked. And I love being that kind of good shocked. Now, the thing that I think they need to clean up before we get into our last haul here, they need to change this herky-jerky, run up to the line, scream stop, everybody looks over to the sideline, and then you wig-wag signals back in again. Look, Tyler Bowen, if you're listening to me, quit that crap. It doesn't work. I realize it's corn, too. You don't need that. It kills your momentum. It kills your rhythm and pace. It's part of the problem why you're having procedural errors on the line of scrimmage. You can't do that. You know, you're all keyed up. The adrenaline's going. You get in the three-point stance. The signals are going, and then somebody claps or does signals, whatever, and everybody stops and stands up and looks over at the sideline. Well, that's when you have mishandled snaps. That's when you have the illegal motions. That's when you have guys that are out of position. Quit it. Go up to the line of scrimmage with a play and an audible and let your quarterback do his job. You know, trust your quarterback to do his job. Give him a, a wrist coach. He flips open the thing, says it's blue concept, and here's my play and here's my audible. You, The only thing you do is you signal in the number from somebody. And he looks at his wrist coach and says, okay, this is the play we're running and this is the audible. Thank you very much. And then you go to it. No more of this this stuff. It's dumb. It's just annoying, it's dumb, and it's really hurting the players. So that's my rant for the for the afternoon, and people can take it the way it is. Okay, last two and a half minutes, we got predictions. So I'm going to go first, not that I'm going to be stepping on, but I want Brian to take take it out. I think we're looking at uh, less than 50 over and under, probably less than maybe, let's say, a 45 over and under. And I think maybe the spread could be a one-score spread maybe three points, three and a half points. It could be as much as four, but I don't see it deviating that much beyond that. So Brian, what you got, you know, like I said, it's going to be pretty much the same over and under and spread as last week. Well, it's this is a difficult one for me to predict where I last week, I thought I had a good idea and I missed it completely, which has been the theme of my predictions for the Hokies over the last three or four years. So I'm right now leaning toward taking Boston College. Not what I want to do, but that's what I'm thinking right now. But I do feel better about it, and my mind may change by later in the week. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think the over and under is going to be? In the I know the current line is three and a half. The spread's three and a half. I, I haven't seen that. What What was the over under that's predicted? I think it was less than fifty. I'd have to look it up here. That 
I'm thinking mid forties, forty four, forty five, and that and that and that range sounds about right right now. Okay, well, you got any thoughts in parting? We got to give everybody a little hope. Just, I just want everyone to remember that this is only game two of this new era that we all wanted so badly. Let's sit back and let's trust these guys. Let's root for them. Let's support them. Good things are on the horizon, whether it happens this year or not. Okay. Well, that leaves us with the good thought, Brian. Thank you. And we got one other thought we always give to everybody. And what is that? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.